Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. This week I'm joined by Charlotte Dunker. Hello. And I'm also joined by uh, the finest Irish arrival in Manchester since John O'Shea, which is Kieran Kelly. Hello, can't live up to that. Yes, I know, I know. Um, (laughs) We'll we'll be discussing plenty of things ahead of the Chelsea game, but it's obviously been a very, uh, I I suppose the word would be, eventful week for United, given the amount of stuff that Mourinho has been saying. He had another pop at the supporters... Uh, well, some supporters, as he said in his last sentence of the programme notes, is this just another? I mean, you you, you know particularly well, given your allegiance, which we won't touch upon mm. too much, and also Real the book, Madrid fan, yes, and and of course <laughs> Inter Milan, yeah, yes. and of course the book you did on him. But is this just all part of the massive Mourinho siege mentality tactic ahead of another big game at the weekend? Yeah, it seems odd because I think if you think back to his first press conference of the season he was so like warm and enthusiastic and he was just looking forward to all these games and there was no kind of excuses you know he's paying tribute to Guardiola and Wenger as great managers and it just seemed very odd all of a sudden that he's gotten very sour and um, petty almost you think of the penalty against Benfica when um, Blind eventually stepped up and now he was making gestures and it's just not creating a very nice atmosphere because I think most United fans seem to have connected with the team again and they're they're firmly behind Mourinho even though the, the style of football at times isn't as, as great as it can be um, but once you start picking on your own fans when really they haven't done anything wrong as far as I could tell when Rashford went off against Tottenham um, the boos from where we were, were, were you couldn't really hear them um, and then did you find it difficult? To, did did you hear them at all, or was it? No, I, I personally I didn't even hear them. Uh, See, I did. I, I, was, I saying, was at the I, game and I heard them. <laughs> oh, well, this I, is I'm really interesting. <laughs> Kira's got selective deafness. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I must have zoned out. It's, it's an interesting point because yeah. obviously I was sat next to you. And I did, I did hear <laughs> them, but other guys speak. I spoke to in the press box who were higher up didn't hear them at yeah. all, and some people who were watching on the telly didn't hear them either. <laughs> but I mean, where were you sat, Charlotte? I was sat in the north stand, and I think mainly it was coming from, I'd say, like, more the Stratford end. But I wouldn't say it was a lot of fans. I'd no, say it's a very it, small it, And I don't think they were... I, I don't think they were slating Mourinho. I think it was just more of an annoyance because mm. Lukaku wasn't playing as well as Rashford. Yeah. And you knew as soon as the board came up that Martial was going to come on, who was going to come off. The same way, you know, that Matter's going to get subbed in every game. Yeah. You know that... Marshall and Rashford are the two that are going to get swapped over and I think it was just annoyance thinking get out of that mindset Mourinho why don't you look who's playing switch switch it up and just bring Lukaku off I don't think they were having a dig at Mourinho as much as he's mm. perceived it yeah, yeah had a dig yeah, back I think it was just like their way of just being a, a bit annoyed and like oh goodness sakes like why have you done that again yeah but he he was right because Lukaku did well yes he did do well so the lesson to be learned Mourinho <laughs> knows best he yeah. always gets it back right again. did you get the feeling like having like, sat among supporters that they want to see Lukaku Marshall and Rashford start yeah together? I think I think so at the expense of Mkhitaryan yeah Mkhitaryan I think personally I, obviously me been watching him in the last few weeks he's been the one for me who's been in the worst dip of form hmm. maybe he's tired maybe he just needs a rest but I think he does need to rest him and stop over relying on him and stop thinking it's Marshall or Rashford and play them three up front and see what happens. Where would you play 
Rashford or Martial. I'd, uh, I'd play... This is the conundrum, isn't it? Because They're both rubbish on yeah, the right. Yeah, I was going to say they're both rubbish <laughs> on the right, but yeah. then would you... You could try and play Rashford in a 10, Marshall on the left, and Lukaku ahead, up ahead of Rashford. And on the right wing? Valencia. <sighs> no. Hmm. <laughs> one, but he's not great either on the... Well, you could try Mkhitaryan right. on the right wing. No, I've had enough of Mkhitaryan. Okay. He's going on the bench. Yeah. What a Sorry. Year, I know. No, I do <laughs> think he's very good, but I think there's just been too many inconsistent performances... But we've sat here and said, oh, he's, now he's going to get an assist. And that's mm. where he hasn't in the last few yes. games. Where he yeah. thought at the start of the season, if he wasn't too great, he was still popping up with the odd assist. And you were thinking, oh, never mind, because he's going to pop and do something. Yeah. But in the last few games, he hasn't done that, which is why I think that maybe it's his time just to have a rest. I'm not fully slating him, I'm just yeah. to point out. It's somewhat ironic. I know a year is an incredibly long time in football, but this time last year, United fans were clamouring for Mkhitaryan to be brought into the team mm-hmm. when he deserved to be probably and now they want him out of the team when he probably should be out of the team but Mourinho's keeping him in there um, which which is slightly kind of interesting how well Mkhitaryan has done over that period of time um, someone who did do well in the Benfica game on, on Tuesday night was Scott McTominay yes um, some, some people have said yeah his lateral passing was great oh I was really <laughs> thrilled by that yeah. and I get what they mean because it, it was kind of like as you say about Matic he's, he's usually a minimum 6 out of 10 yeah. player which isn't necessarily a bad thing but McTominay had that kind of performance are you surprised how well he's acquitted himself in the first team? Um, well on the surface I thought when Pereira went he was the one who was going to stand to benefit and I know it's taken him a couple of months but he just fits that style, you know, Mourinho all his youngsters in the past have been generally, you know, freaks in terms of physique and, Yeah, uh, you know, in the nice possible way, they're kind of monster players, you know um, who, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5 six, and he's grown into his, his stature as it's gone on, you think this time last year he was playing as a makeshift striker for the reserves, so it's, it's quite a great story and I think that was probably one of the first games where I've seen him kind of make an impression and the game certainly didn't pass him by. Um, it's kind of just the basic things, you know, the, the rampage and runs, the, the head in, um, all the things you expect of a centre mid at that size, but he did them very professionally and you wouldn't have really known that, you know, he's that was his first Champions League start. So I think there's a lot to take from that and I think for the academy as a whole, it was a brilliant week. You've had obviously the... 80th year anniversary of every match they squad they're being an academy yeah. player um, you've had Angel Gomez obviously lifting the World Cup for the young lads so I think it's really exciting and ironically with Mourinho at the helm that's continued and that's probably surprised quite a few people um, but you know long may it continue because I think supporters particularly United fans never get sick of an academy player getting a chance and, and taking it I suppose he's the Lancastrian Messi in that he's benefited from a, a growth spur and yeah. is making an impression. Um, still unclear who he's going to be playing uh, international level. Mm. On the academy thing, I mean, Mourinho's copped a lot of flat for it, it from that in the past, but he has given some some players chances. Uh, is there anybody else that... I mean, you, you watch a lot of the reserves and, and, and the under-18s. Is there anyone from there... That, that you can see doing a McTominay. I mean, McTominay is one of those players who he didn't get a lot of. 
there have been a few United players in fairness like Cleverly would be another one Lingard would be another one players who've not had a lot of fanfare about them in the youth level but have actually forged a half decent career I think McTominay has been more of one of them solid ones in the reserves rather than someone oh, yeah, who yeah. every time you'd not a, not a really exciting player yeah um, who's been impressing in the reserves? Oh God, you've put me on the spot now, and I actually can't think Fail of anybody. Failed to prepare for a question. You didn't know. Yeah, I was going to say Demi Mitchell, but that's an obvious answer, isn't it? I was trying to go off on Should, a t- the, the the reserve team. It's not as exciting as a couple of years ago, no. which is a problem as well. It is a big problem. But how, how do they remedy that? <laughs> how, 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 I mean, what I mean is, how do they remedy it if they've got... I mean, Van Gaal, the way they did it under Van Gaal was that he'd say, if Yannazai's annoying me, I'll throw him in there and some people will turn up at Lee and that'll oh, be good. throw him into the reserve. Yeah, I mean, do, do you think that... I mean, just... We've gone off on a slight tangent here, but in order to make the reserve team more exciting... Do you think Mourinho do you think, do, I, does need to? No, drop I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he needs to make it more exciting. I just his main focus is obviously on the first team. Yeah. Why? Why should he be bothered who turns up to watch the reserves in yeah. the league? If, oh yeah. If the fans are interested in that level of football, I think they're going to go. Obviously, if they find out Luke Shaw was going to play, which might be where he ends up playing yes. soon, because um, <laughs> it doesn't look like he's playing for the first team anytime soon. Then obviously more people are, are going to go along there, but you're right. Whereas at the minute there's nothing there's nothing too exciting about you know mm. you're not drawn to watch United's reserves or academy. I was watching City um, under 19s the other day, and they're the total opposite. Like they they were five and up by half time, yeah. and that for the future like the youth that's scary. But for the United's perspective, it isn't because City won't give them the chance. Yeah. So. United might get a couple of gems come through and they use them, which is going to be useful. Whereas you look at it now and think, wow, City are unbelievable at that level compared to United. But none of them players are going to make it through City's first team, I would probably say. So is it a problem for the long term? Probably not, because I still think you're going to get those two or three that, that come through. Maybe they're not shining now, but... Over the course of the season, who knows? You suspect uh, Phil Foden might be the acid test for Guardiola in that respect. Uh, on Guardiola, there's a picture frame of him in here, which Ian Cheeseman has probably left from his TV <laughs> appearance. Yeah, we won't um, say what it looks like. No, no, it. no. Uh, but Gary Neville made a decent point on Monday Night Football when he said that how one of Mourinho's problems was what was going on at City with the style and... It's, it's well documented that Guardiola was Ferguson's first choice. I'm sure Ferguson will bring another book out and say, oh, no, he wasn't, mm. he was unavailable, what have you. Um, but how much of a problem is that for Mourinho right now? Is it is it temporary or do you think it will be long-term? The Steiner factor on such a win and run. Kind of, both, really. Both, yeah. um, Just the whole Guardiola factor, I suppose. I think it, it works both ways, the... You know, they've been at kind of their best and worst having, uh, you know, Mourinho and Guardiola to come up against brought out, you know, inverted commas, the best of him to, to get Real Madrid to win that title. Yes, yeah. that one of the best teams of all time. That's he'll always maintain was one of his best achievements. Um, and Guardiola, I think, in the short term, at least likes having Mourinho because he obviously pushes him more than any other manager. But it's been quite maybe not for us we all expected you know them to be at loggerheads from day one but there's, there's been a lot of respect there obviously so far you would wonder with that game coming up on December 10th I think whether 
you know, there might be a few barbs thrown because we've seen Guardiola. I hope so. He's, yeah, we, I think even just a little bit of tension would be great. We've seen Guardiola maybe inadvertently um, having a pop at uh, Tottenham and the Harry Kane team. Yeah. He has that sneaky aspect as well. Um, but I think it's very much, you when you look at even just Sunday, and I think at the moment the mindset is probably just you have to keep up with City because... Um, you know, I don't think anyone expects Arsenal to beat City away on Sunday. You're almost expecting them to have won before you check the score now, which um, is is always a, a worrying sign. But I think for for United, it's kind of just you have to win each game and and hope they do slip up because inevitably they'll get a blip. Um, seeing all the top teams drop points unexpectedly, United at Huddersfield, Chelsea at home to Burnley on the first day, so. Um, there will come a time where um, they have a blip and it's just up to United to, to keep winning. And I don't think Mourinho is going to be um, worrying necessarily about um, Guardiola per se when at this moment he's he's turned his attention on his own fans. So uh, that's yeah. obviously where his mindset is at the moment. <laughs> um, during this spell between the October international and the November internationals, obviously we've got the Chelsea game to come, but United's football hasn't been watchable. It's been solid has been pragmatic with the exception of that aberration against Huddersfield do you still think that some of the criticism Charlotte has, has been unfair in the sense that they played some really watchable football in the first two months it's only been a few weeks where they've gone off the boil I think the problem is that these performances have been like back to back and every time you've been turning on to watch yeah. United it's like oh another dull boring result and I think the criticism from the, I think the criticism from the fans is obviously they want to go on what they want to watch exciting free flowing football. Who wouldn't? And Paul Scholes said something the other night, and he, um, in response to Mourinho saying, "Oh, why aren't the fans like chanting and jumping up and being excited?" And Scholes said, "Well, what have they got to be excited about? Like, yeah, they get excited when they score a goal, but the build up, nine, like eighty odd minutes of that game has just been like dull, quite dull. Like, we, I was watching it the other day, and I was doing the blog, and I was thinking, what do you even say here? Like." boring like nothing to tell you they've kept possession they've knocked it around a bit that's it have they really created anything no they haven't against Benfica I just thought the play was so narrow all the time they're not getting out to the wings they're not utilising the wings it's not exciting and if you go back obviously into the past it's what United was all about wasn't it like gigs like obviously I'm going back a long time now but like gigs like flying up down the wing like that's what the United fans want that's what's going to get people out of their seats and I don't think they're obviously not annoyed at Mourinho because of the results and that's where the criticism is a bit unfair because they are basically on the brink of the Champions League knockout stage. Second in the league, doing well in the League Cup, It's they're not doing badly. I think it's just people being picky. I think United fans have been spoiled over the years because of the way United have played and how exciting it has been. Then go to like this turgid, boring football where sometimes they literally are bereft of ideas, and you're thinking, where is a goal going to pop up from? Obviously, it did last weekend, and I think that was the most annoying thing about the Liverpool game. Was and hopefully they won't do this on Sunday. Liverpool, everyone knew how bad Liverpool's defence was, and they didn't do anything to test it. I don't think the fans were as annoyed at getting a point from Anfield because there's been many a season when that's happened and it's been like, oh, it's a decent point. At the start of the season, obviously, you want three, but would you take a point? Probably yes. But it was the way that United went about that and it was the fact they did nothing to test Liverpool's fragile defence. Watching Chelsea's 
diabolical defending in the week. If United don't, if United set up the same again as they did against Liverpool and don't yeah. try and test that, I think the fans are going to be annoyed again, mainly for that reason. Will they be annoyed if they come away with a point? Probably not, but it's all going to be. It's hard. almost as if like the, the result, if you get a draw, it's fine, but it's the the approach that wasn't yeah. fine in the case of the Anfield game. Yeah. Uh, should add, Ferguson was prone to pragmatism. Yes, he was quite a lot. Yes, he was. He? I think it's just because it's become a bit of a ru- become a run, hasn't it, in the last few yeah. games? If it had been like played really one four nil and then gone to Anfield and got that draw and then gone again and like won like three nil in a different game and then it was another one like spotted out. Yeah. I don't think the criticism would have like in all the media and stuff like that. I don't think it would have been as heightened as it is. But I think it's just because it's like three games on the spin it's just been boring boring performance yeah they've ground out the results like against Spurs but it wasn't exciting and in the week it was awful as well and I think that's probably gone against Mourinho because it's come all in a row it seems as though someone like Pochettino who played a strikeless side at Old Trafford yeah. with five defenders he took Sanchez out of the team because United sussed him uh, in the Europa League final but because that result was sandwiched between hammering Liverpool 4-1 and, and beating Real Madrid 3-1, it's, it's almost it's an isolated case. And obviously Harry Kane wasn't playing, so Pochettino gets away yeah. with it more than, than Mourinho does. Um, in terms of the, the style, the approach, that's going to be a big thing at Chelsea. Chelsea play this 3-4-2-1 formation. United played something slightly similar last week that didn't really quite work and mm. went with two up front. Do you think it's almost the case that this weekend that you could see it being the same starting eleven as it was against Tottenham, but the formation has to change? Possibly, yeah. I think the three at the back experiment in pre-season for me, it always felt it was leading up to these kind of games yeah. against the title rivals. And um, I think that's something Mourinho's have to work on because they overly relied on, you know, 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 last season. I think even... If you don't start with one of those formations to have the flexibility to, to move around a bit is, is going to give you an advantage. Um, for me, um, thinking back to when they've used three at the back, um, the best attacking performance of the season for me was, was in Moscow when they did it. And the key thing was that Martial had a freer role. Um, he wasn't just stuck up top with Lukaku, so it meant that him, Mkhitaryan and Lukaku could move around a bit. And what I thought was kind of unimaginative on, on Saturday against Tottenham was they constantly went long to Lukaku and I know it paid off for the goal. Um, it's kind of a bit of luck and judgment it is. that goal, wasn't and it? And when you've got players that good, particularly on the floor, it just didn't make sense at times to keep doing it. And even against Benfica, they were they're prone just to lobbing it forward. And um, when you have Marcus Rashford jumping for balls in the air, it, just, it seems a little unfair almost that um, you could get so much more out of um, their attack and play at times if, if they just played it around a bit more and I think um, that would be what I'd like to see um, against Chelsea because it's it's a similar scenario the, if like one clean sheet and eight um, they've really missed Kante they're looking very disjointed and you're looking at you know Cahill, Rudiger um, guys they could really get at and I know Lukaku's out of form in terms of goals but um, he will definitely get at least one chance and you, you would think if United could at least approach it with, you know, similar solid defence, but, you know, 
go for those chances as the game wears on. I think that's the key because uh, the last time they played in uh, the FA Cup, it was Herrera's red card that kind of undid all the good work. And um, I think that'll be the key if they get into half time nil nil that they start to open up as the game goes on and, and catch catch Chelsea, who are obviously looking more tired than they were last season because they're playing more games. With the um, the, the long ball thing, that has kind of stuck at United since Louis van Gaal bit at Allardyce what, two and a half years ago, I think, and he handed out his leaflets. Um, and Klopp said something about it last season. I mean, it's, it's a tactic that a lot of teams have used since time immemorial, and they will use it in the latter stages of games because it's difficult to be tactically innovative if you're chasing a game historically has Mourinho has he always done that with his teams yeah well you think of every team he's been at he's always had a, a ball she fourth hasn't he yeah so obviously the famous examples of like Drogba even Melito at Inter could play uh, in the air I think it's it's just when I saw them the first few months of the first few games of the season you thought contrast how they played in the Europa League final and that and how they were never going long mm. um, whereas at the Europa League final you just saw that the defence weren't even looking up and they were just sending Hail Marys up to Rashford and um, he was easily crowded out so kind of as we were touching on earlier about when you throw in a kind of negative result with a negative style of football it just kind of undo some of that momentum you built up with those attacking triangles and everything that excites the fans and I think we're seeing a bit of that now where Already the approach has been stripped down, which I didn't think would happen to probably the new year. I thought United would really race out of the blocks for the first three, four months and then start to strip it down again. Do you not think that's because of the opposition, though? and who Because and, it all seemed to change like after the international break, yeah. the Liverpool game. I, so if you look at the... It's been like Liverpool, Spurs, and then in between them... Yeah, but in between them, there's been Huddersfield Hodders, and Benfica. Hodders, yeah, but then it's sort of like... He's gone with it, and then we're sti- then they're sticking with it. Yeah, well, I just think the the last time we beat Tyler rival away, it's like more than one thousand one hundred days ago or something bizarre, and it's like it was the, what, Liverpool yeah. three years ago, and they they went for that game Chelsea and that, and you just think now you can't just settle for draws in these games. It the nature of how you know Spurs attack, City attack, teams want to win these games now because it can really set a team up. Um, you look at what happened to United last season, they lost the first derby and then they won like two of the next ten games and they were stuck in six from there on. Um, so it can really, really help you if you win. And you think if City uh, potentially could go eight points clear already, you know, that would be, yeah, that's a huge already. Um, even if they were to lose two games, you're counting on United to keep winning, which is really hard. So I think it's kind of, um, this game is really a test of how far they've come and, whether they have that kind of nous to be able to, to kill teams when Chelsea looks so vulnerable. United do look really secure defensively, which isn't normally something to be celebrated about with United, but in this day and age on social media, it seems though clean sheets are almost as good as, as goals to some people. Uh, one of the telling things that was kind of overlooked in the week was that Bay started, which everybody thought he would because he needed minutes to come back from injury, but Mourinho retained Chris Smalling when Lindelof, um, I think up until that point, had started every midweek match this season. Do you think, one, I mean, it's quite topical because Smalling's been left out of the England squad harshly. Do you think it shows that, one, that Smalling is starting to, as Mourinho said, go in my direction like Jones has done? 
and how damning does that reflect on damningly does that reflect on Lindelof that he cannot be trusted clearly now after that Huddersfield game I think going that criticism that you're talking about from Southgate I think was a bit harsh like he can't play out from the back since when the hell of England ever <laughs> played out from well, the that's back the pro- yeah and the people he's picked to replace him are hardly Harry Maguire best on best people mm. on the ball that you've seen ever, ever in your life but I think Chris Mullins has been quite solid for United this season I think there was a couple of games at the start when you were thinking oh this isn't going to be great but I think he's improved since then like Mourinho says he's going in his direction Lindelof you are beginning to wonder where on earth he's going to fit into United's plans but it's one of them if he's not given the chance he's never going to be able to prove that he can do it but then when he is if he because he didn't in his first couple of Champions League games to me he wasn't he didn't set the world alight but he was solid he was solid enough yeah, like, like McTominay we were saying like he did the basic things and he did yeah. the basic things well but then should we really be comparing Lindelof to yeah. <laughs> an academy lad who's yeah. making his first Champions League Champions League appearance and that's the sort of level that you're thinking like go go out there do the basic things well and then you've played well whereas everyone thought he was going to come in and partner by at the back straight away he thought they were going to be United's centre back pairing but I think it, to be honest it's credit to Smalling and Jones because nobody thought that they were going to be the the first two centre back pairing or the pairing with Bailly so it's credit to both of them and the way they've been playing luckily for Mourinho they've both been playing well that, that I think that's what's keeping Lindelof out as, as much as anything as you say it's it's an interesting point when he's going to get a chance to actually prove himself because yeah. he's what, since June July or September October, doing a bit of maths there it's been nearly five months since yeah. he actually signed for United. He's still not made his first Premier League start. Um, Marcus Rojo looks like he's going to come back yeah, later this month. Yeah, who's a big favourite of Mourinho, who has improved a lot under Mourinho. The, the advantage in all this, I suppose, for Lindelof is that United have got nine games in December. It looks like do, do, take with that bearing with that in mind and the way players come back from injury. Do you think that that could be a bigger month than it initially seems and that they're going to have all these players back that's a chance for them surely to like, turn up the heat on City particularly with that derby at the start yeah you've got Ibrahimovic to yeah. offset the pressure so on Lukaku like, so we're talking Pogba Rojo Ibrahimovic Ibra. Fellaini Carrick yeah Scott McTotley <laughs> Super Scotty McTee to the rescue. And do you know what? I think if he starts him in the derby, I really don't think Pep Guardiola is going to be panicking, to be honest. Uh, So, I I don't know. I think Pogba is going to be the biggest... Pogba's been a miss, big miss for United in the last few games. And I think he he is going to be the difference. I think United's style of play is going to change when he comes back. And that's going to make a big difference. Is it going to... I'd, I think United are going to go toe-to-toe with City all the way to the end of the season. Yeah. They play totally different football. And to all the purists out there, it'll be absolutely hilarious if United win the league playing football the way they're doing versus how City are playing this beautiful, free-flowing football, amazing to watch versus United's boring football. But it's paying off for United and Mourinho. And I think that bring those players back, and there is no reason why... United and City aren't but both going to be up there and the derby is going to be more tightly contested than some people might think I think looking at the way City and United are playing at the minute people will be putting their money on City to 
put four past United, but like you say, United are solid at the back, but your only fear is, oh, City, and to be honest, City defensively aren't great. Exactly. Well, that's that's the point. It's like, I think both teams have got nine games in December, yeah. and you look at the size of City squad, where you're playing, I think teams will be playing on the 30th, and they'll be playing New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. That's a big test of players' durability and endurance. Uh, but we'll obviously you know, that's going to be a very exciting month. But we've still got November to get through. Um, I will end on some quick fire questions, oh Charlotte. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's not mastermind or anything like that. I'm not going to ask you. I for was going to say name. you've got uh, like the encyclopededic knowledge. No, 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 no. It's it's it's, it's barely. <laughs> it's it's be, it's it's purely opinion um, for Chelsea because let's face it, they're not going to both start Rashford or Marshall. Marshall. Kieran, same question. Rashford. And do you think Samuel. Rashford will start? Mm, no. No. Do you think Marshall will start? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. Hey, what do you think? I think Rashford will start, wrong. but I would prefer to see Marshall come in. I think I think the for- mm. the formation needs to change. As you said, that Moscow away one when it was like a thought three four two one match for match for Chelsea. I think that's probably the way forward but anyway we'll leave it there thank you Charlotte thank you Kieran thanks thank you very much for listening Uh, please do give us uh, please do subscribe to us I should say on iTunes or Audio Boom or any other uh, podcast hosts out there and we'd be very grateful for a review on iTunes as well thank you